Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void representative by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See what's the details. A network. Yay, Sunday. We are back live here on our world-famous Chicky Checkwire radio program. We are going to go ahead and get a hold of Mark Mix. He is going to join us here in just a few moments. I'm going to go get rid of... And I'm going to go ahead and dial up... IQ Alvarezoli and Dan Perkins, and we will get back I mean, into here. Perkins and me uh, as an infidel. I think we... <laughs> There's Jim. There we are. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I... <laughs> I always do. I always do. It's another show without you. <laughs> it, it, it happens on Sundays from time to time when I have... Uh, the lovely and talented Samantha and Jay Bird Wells, and I will put them on hold with our guests, and then I miss all sorts of stuff. So uh, it uh, <laughs> it it always seems to happen. But uh, so so Dan, what what, what did you uh, what did you make of our of our last guest? He was uh, he he had a great book, and he was well spoken. Well, when you got when you have a book. That is number one bestseller and hasn't actually been brought out. It's based on people buying it in advance in three categories. There's a message there that's resounding with people, clearly. Yes. Um, I think, I really believe that um, the left, I, I don't want to say they've gone too far because they don't know what too far is. But, <laughs> but I do think that. Uh, IQ and I were talking about during the pandemic, two things were going on. The Catholic schools and the charter schools were open. Mark, next. Hey, Mark. How are you, my friend? Go, 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 uh, go, go ahead and finish your point there, Dan, and then we'll get our guest in here. And I think parents were taking their children out of the public school, the distance learning stuff, and sending them to the the charter schools and the Christian schools, and uh, some will go back when the schools open, if they ever do. But yeah. I think a lot, a lot have looked at the difference of what's being taught in the schools and are more more satisfied with, with charter schools and Christian schools. Well, uh, we have got a great guest to uh, kick off our second half of our big broadcast here. What will be the final tally of union jobs killed after one month as, uh, as president as uh, Joe Biden uh, or as the great Rush Limbaugh used to refer to him as Joe Bite Me. Um, he, uh, he President, is, President Joe Bite Me. President Joe Bite Me, that's right. And um, so we have got a right-to-work expert with us today. The great Mark Mix is with us. He's the president of the National Right-to-Work Committee, which is a 2.8 million member public policy organization. He also serves as the president of the National Right-to-Work Legal Defense Foundation. And, uh, Mark, this whole thing with the Biden administration, 
You know, I honestly thought that the minute Joe Biden was going to get in there, if you've listened to, to you, you listen to talk radio, you listen to all these people, he was going to give everybody free everything, and this was going to be the the great reset was coming. Oh my God, I don't know how the hell we're going to do it with six hundred dollar checks, but. Um, now it's like Obama's third term. Uh, we're not really doing anything, and it's just basically he's being a good little manager. Uh, but one thing that he is doing is he's going after all these uh, union jobs and all these other things. What, 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 what do you make of all this, my friend? And then I'll let Dan and IQ jump in and ask you some questions. Well, thanks for the opportunity to talk about yes. this. It's, there's lots to talk about, and your your question's a good one. How many jobs will be lost in the first uh, you know month of, of this administration? Well, if you're in the energy business and you're a pipe fitter or you're an operating engineer or you're a member of the building trades, LIUNA, and uh, lots of unions that had uh, had jobs on the Keystone Pipeline and or were involved in exploration for new uh, natural gas or energy deposits on federal land, you got a free trip to the unemployment line is what you got because President Joe Biden immediately removed the permit for the Keystone Pipeline, uh, which was going through Montana and Nebraska and other states where, interestingly enough, this was a project labor agreement where basically only union companies could do business on uh, or do, do work on this particular project. And yet the very first day, um, uh, by executive order, by a stroke of a pen, uh, he put these people on the unemployment line. And unfortunately for those rank-and-file workers out there, those union members, they're union officials who knew with eyes wide open in this campaign that Joe Biden had said back in May of 2020 that he would do this as soon as he got into office, but yet their unions still endorsed, still endorsed Joe Biden for the presidency. And, and Richard Trumka, the president of the AFL-CIO, cried crocodile tears for a minute or two on HBO saying, you know, I just wish he would have paired it with other job creation. And the notion that governments create jobs, they destroy jobs, that's for sure. We saw that in spades here. But the idea that they would create jobs is another problematic thing. I mean, I guess if government grows, they create jobs. But it's been an interesting time for rank-and-file workers, not for their union officials uh, back here in Washington, but for rank-and-file workers across the country. The Biden administration has been pretty dismal so far. Gentlemen, do me a favor, for God's sake. Do you mind not speaking about him as president? I mean, just call him Joe Biden. Every time they use the word president, honestly, I can't take it. Just call him Joe Biden. Just call him Joe Biden. He is destroying America. In the first 30 days, he has caused more trouble for America, only to be spiteful of Donald Trump. He's not yes. thinking of American security. He's not thinking of American welfare. He is only being vengeful and spiteful. That's it. Not complicated. Back to you, sir. <laughs> Mark Nix is with us today. He joins us live in our broadcast. And uh, you can get more information on Facebook. He has the National Right to Work Foundation. Search them out on Facebook. Uh, Mark holds a BA in finance from James Madison University, an associate degree in marketing from the State University of New York. Prior to joining the National Right to Work Committee in 1990, Mr. Mix worked for several state-level rights to work groups. He joined the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation in 1999, and he joins us today here on the telephone, along with our good friends IQL Rizzoli and the phenomenal Dan Perkins. And uh, Dan, uh, w w what do you have for Mark? Well, I would ask Mark, um, last week I think we had, it was 800 and, either 836 or 863 
Americans filed for first-time unemployment. And it was up over the previous week, and the previous week was up over the previous week. So that the trend line of, of job losses is accelerating. Uh, you can find the, the Biden administration say that the Keystone Pipeline really only eliminates 150 jobs. You can find Bloomberg, who said between Canada and the United States, it's over 60,000 jobs, which is quite a large disparity. But, but we, we, we saw, and I wrote a commentary on this, we saw that green energy is not the answer to our energy problems when we saw what happened in Texas when half of the windmills were frozen and the solar panels were iced over and couldn't function. And that was a serious problem. You know, we had the Secretary of Transportation, uh, Mr. Buttigieg, said that we're going to replace those jobs with good-paying union jobs in green energy. And I wanted to say through the television screen when he said that, where and when are they going to come in? Uh, I'm curious from your perspective, why is it that the leadership is so out of touch with the rank and file? Well, Dan, that's a great question, and there, there's not a simple answer to it, but I'll give you the best answer that I can. You know, we at the Legal Defense Foundation, we represent literally thousands of union members and workers every year in cases where un their rights have been violated by union officials. And so we get to know some of these folks. In fact, uh, the chairman of our board is a 43-year uh, school teacher in the California school system, and, and she's been uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the unions uh, since she was a, a fresh face in the classroom many, many years ago, and now she's on the school board and and so we get a little bit of a perspective about what these what you know what's happening in the union movement and Dan to your point there is a huge divide between rank and file workers in this country um, and the so-called union officials that represent them uh, interestingly enough the reason is very simple it's it's politics I mean union officials back in the 1930s during the Roosevelt administration went to government for power they they got, uh, they asked for and got federal power to force workers into associations that they said they either voted against or didn't want to join. And then they got the uh, the second injustice of, of now that you've taken away your right to represent yourself, uh, you, we're going to force you to pay for that taking as well. Uh, and we got forced unionism. And so now union officials and the union movement are basically wards of government action. So they've got to be involved in politics. They've got to be involved in elections. They've got to be involved in who sits in the White House and who is in the speaker's chair and who's the Senate president and who's at the governor and the state, the speaker of the House at state level because their power and their privilege is a direct derivative of government action. They're not out there selling a product to workers anymore. They're using government power to force them into these associations. And then in the 23 states that don't have right to work laws, paying for the injustice of taking away their association. So it's about politics again and, and kind of following the money. That's usually the, the correct uh, uh, answer to a lot of these questions about why do people do what they do. But for rank-and-file workers, uh, as I mentioned, on the Keystone Pipeline and some of our manufacturing uh, opportunities out there that will probably end up overseas again when corporate taxes are raised and regulation is, is put back down on companies, they're going to be losing their jobs too. But that's one of the major reasons and then the ideological shift, too. I mean, you had a AFL-CIO president who was a proud, card-carrying member of the Democratic Socialists of America. I don't think the steelworker in Gary, Indiana, he may not know what that card means, but he certainly doesn't carry one. So, but if you think about what's going on, um, if we look at 
what has happened in the last 12 months? And you can take this as a rhetorical question, or if you have actual numbers, that would be helpful. I wonder how many union people, regardless of their union, has lost their job over the last 12 months. And then the follow-up, I wonder how many union leaders have lost their jobs over the last 12 months. What would you respond to that? <laughs> well, I, the second part of the question I can answer, I can say at least 12, because there are 12 officials of the United Auto Workers Union that are either in jail or have pled guilty to extortion and racketeering and, and stealing union members' money um, out of their headquarters in Detroit. I mean, the last two international presidents of the United Auto Workers are actually – I think I think they're both in jail right now. They, they both have pled guilty. Whether they're actually in jail or not is another question. So we do know that those 12 um, have lost their union positions. As to the rank-and-file workers, I don't know the exact number, Dan. It's a great question. I'm sure things are not better today than they were 12 months ago. And so over that period, I suspect that with the lockdowns and with all of the restrictions that governments imposed on states uh, based on COVID, um, that uh, that situation is, is certainly not better. I can say that. Mm. Do you think that, do you know of those 12 men that you just mentioned, not by name but by, by position, do you think those 12 men have Teamsters pensions? <laughs> well, they have, UA yeah, they have UAW pensions, I think, or they did. And interestingly enough, that's a great question, Dan, because the, the rank-and-file workers were paying their legal fees, too, throughout this whole process. So, um, you know, <laughs> they had a pretty sweet deal. Uh, it's not so sweet anymore when after the FBI raided their homes and all that stuff and, and the federal prosecutor uh, up there in Detroit cut a deal. It's interesting enough, the, a bunch of rank-and-file union members just filed a lawsuit against the uh, – uh, the decree that was issued by the federal prosecutor and the deal that was made with UAW officials to basically keep them under uh, kind of uh, oversight for the next six years and then to open up their elections. A lot of the rank-and-file workers are very displeased, and they, I just saw, I think, today within the last hour that uh, a lawsuit had been filed, or they're certainly asking the judge to take a, a relook at what they tried to do to settle all this and make it go away. So the rank-and-file workers are standing up. But uh, there's a lot more to it, and, and uh, you know, what we need to do is get rid of compulsion in, the, in, in our labor policy that comes from the federal government and make unions voluntary. If we do that, then workers can hold them accountable. And once you hold, it's like the bakery down the street. If there's only one bakery in town, it doesn't matter if your croissants are fresh or stale. You have to, if you want a croissant, you have to have that one. Um, and unions have created this monopoly power granted by government that forces you into this collective, and they don't really have to provide great service because they get your money as a condition of your employment. Have you had a chance to look back at any of the numbers as to the unions voting for uh, Mr. Biden, as IQ would say, as opposed to Thank President you. Trump? Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Who is that guy? <laughs> so what about I have... Is the, yeah. the, I am the, the worst enemy of Islam. That's why JJ ah. James takes me on his show because he can <laughs> say in public from America what I can say. I can get away with murder. He can't. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, James, James, thanks for having him on. And, and yeah. Kind of a bit. Dan, back to your question. <laughs> um, you know, the poll numbers that you see are anywhere from 40 to 45 percent of, of union households voted for Donald Trump this time. And I think it was 55 percent for, uh, for uh, Mr. Biden. And, um, you know, but that's not that's not 
peculiar. I mean, I think Ronald Reagan got 44% of union vote. Uh, 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 George W. Bush got some percentage, a little bit less than Trump. But Donald Trump was a great friend of rank-and-file workers. I mean, he stood up and he reduced taxes, reduced regulation. He protected Second Amendment rights. He, he, he gave a tax cut. I mean, he brought manufacturing jobs back to the shores of America. Uh, those policies uh, are now kind of in the dustpan as, as uh, Joe Biden, I think, today announced that we're going to be uh, you know, back in the G7, the trading partners and all this good stuff that he's going to be doing. And basically it's business as usual as it was under eight years of Obama. When we look at the tremendous recovery that, that Donald Trump brought about in this country, the greatest job boom in the history of this country, more women, more blacks, more children being employed than ever before. I, I, I'm incredibly disappointed the number you gave me that he got about the same amount of union votes as he got considering the shape of the economy when he took over in 2016. He didn't make any progress with all the all of the things that had happened from a positive standpoint that he had done for the labor movement and the American worker, uh, he didn't. He didn't move the needle. He still had 55% of the union rank and file voting Democratic. Ungrateful well, Dan, people deserve what they got now. <laughs> well, Dan, one of the interesting kind of uh, demographics now about the union movement is that there are more government union members in America than there are private sector union members. And so when you think about government, I mean, Donald Trump uh, was a friend of, of the American people, but he wasn't necessarily a friend of government union officials. And, and there's a difference there now. I mean, we have, we've come to the point, once again, where there are more union members in government employment than there are in the private sector. And, and I mean, in, in actual numbers, I'm not talking percentage, I'm talking actual numbers now of union members under the AFL-CIO umbrella and other unions. And so that explains part of it because generally the people that work in government um, are of a particular ideological persuasion, uh, more so than, than you know, a, a, an operating engineer or a, or a plumber or a pipe fitter or an electrician or a steel worker um, in the private sector. I think there was growth in that particular segment of, of that base. But on the government side, I, I you know, uh, we deal with that, the growth of government all the time and what that, uh, what that means for taxpayers and citizens in this country. Do we have, you said, if I heard you correctly, we have more union members that are part of a union for the federal government or governments than we have in the private sector. Did I hear that correctly? That is correct. And so my question is, in the case of government workers who were unionized, did any of them lose their job for the entire year of the pandemic when they weren't going to their offices? Your question, again, I think is rhetorical, and the answer, uh, even though I'll answer it, I think no. Um, there was there was some reduction. I mean, you know, here in Fairfax County, Virginia, where I was, when school started, even though the kids weren't there, the bus drivers were still driving their bus routes. I mean, it's just, uh, it's been an amazing kind of odyssey that these, these last, uh, what, it last 12 months now, I guess, we're, we're mm -hmm. at the 12-month anniversary, according to Jill and Joe Biden last night at the White House with their ceremony out there. Um, and, and, but no, I mean, the, the, uh, the reduction of, of government is probably, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, Dan, but I think, 
I suspect that you uh, would probably uh, believe to be correct that government didn't shrink during this, this pandemic. Um, the private sector certainly did, but I don't believe the government did. At least I haven't seen it. It's amazing. When you try in the private sector and you try to call a company and they tell you that they're distance working, uh, we'll have somebody, if there's not anybody available, we'll have somebody call you. You can't even get through to leave a message to the to the U.S. government. I mean, I've been I have been waiting for my original twelve hundred dollars stimulus check, and I can't get a hold of anybody to find out what the hell am I supposed to do. <laughs> and I just saw yesterday a piece of, that came out. Well, if you didn't get your twelve hundred dollars stimulus check, here's a form you file when you file your income tax to claim credit for it, even though you didn't get it. I mean, it's just. I, I just don't understand. Um, we have this bureaucracy, and uh, and we're paying for this bureaucracy, and yet it's not doing it. It's just like the, the teachers' unions. We, we we pay the teachers to teach, and and now uh, the president is saying that well, schools will be open if we have one day a week with in residence teaching, and. The, the American people are not buying that. So, um, from a from a union perspective, let me let me ask let me change just a little bit and ask you this question: um, What kind of grade would you give the president for the economy and jobs in his first four weeks? I I have to give him an F. Yet his polling number is up fifty eight percent. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Who did the polling? <laughs> I think it was yeah. Who did the polling? I, the same thing. Who did the polling against Trump? Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I, 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 all I'm saying is that he is. Uh, no, it was Rasmussen who's in their daily, presidential daily tracking poll has Biden with an approval rating of 58 percent. And yeah. um, well. Yeah, and and I, one of the reasons for that is is the the establishment media is is basically fawning over them. They can't get over the fact that Jill Biden put up hearts in the White House yard that talked about unity, peace, and love, and and you know it's the, this couple walking hand in hand around the grounds of the White House. I mean, the, the questions that he's getting. I mean, what's the how are your dogs doing? What are your dogs' names? What I mean. This is it's it's amazing how the the that institution the fourth estate or I don't know if they're the fifth estate or the sixth estate now I don't know what they are but needless to say um, the only thing we've heard about Joe Biden and the only thing that he's the, the only presence that he had has been totally scripted teleprompted uh, loaded questions with the answers already considered I mean. He has faced no scrutiny and you're starting to see some of the media outlets saying what do you mean you know he's not going to show up and. So, uh, yeah. I, I, no surprise, no surprise. I'm sorry, I was hearing some bad. I didn't know if someone was speaking there. No, no, no. you're 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 good. We've got Mark Mix with us today. National Right to Work Foundation, uh, Dan Perkins, IQL Rizzoli as well. Um, IQ, uh, l- l- listening to all this today, what 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 do you have for Mark? Well, there's not much we can disagree upon. First of all, to call him a president. Joe Biden is an insult to presidency. With this, I'm not going to argue about this. He hasn't done anything. The 57% is only by stupid animals who would vote 57% approval rating. The gentleman said F. F is an extraordinary mark for 
Biden. He, he looks like a zombie. He talks like a zombie. He doesn't, he doesn't put a few sentences without making a mistake. The guy is in his last few months cognitively. No question. He's talking about, talk, you know, with Iran. The Iranians are laughing. I listen to the news media in Arabic and in the translation of the Farsi language. They are laughing. They know they've got him where they want him. Anybody thinking otherwise? Well, let me, let me ask our guest. Um, yes. You know, uh, last week, two, two afternoons last week, I'm following up what IQ was saying. Last week, two afternoons last week, Biden shut down the White House. There was no business being done. He wasn't going to be available to talk to anybody. Two days, two afternoons. And I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are of where, where do you think his presidency is headed? Well, from our perspective, I mean, it's not good. His, uh, within, within 23 minutes of his swearing in, when the echoes of Garth Brooks singing Amazing Grace were coming back to the inauguration stage on the mall, um, he sent a note to, uh, uh, well, his, his handler sent a note to the general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board, who had 10 months left on his term, and said, you either resign now or you'll be fired by 5 o'clock. The general counsel of the National Labor Relations Board uh wrote back quickly saying, I don't think you should be interfering with an independent agency with the top lawyer of an independent agency. This is unprecedented. It's never happened before. Um, I'm not resigning. So he got fired at 5 o'clock. The next morning, his deputy stepped up, and she got the same email in the morning saying, you resign uh, now or be fired by 5. She said, once again, I don't think it's proper that you tinker with this, that you put your own cronies in as the top legal uh, legal mind or the legal prosecutor of uh, or legal counsel of of an independent agency, and she was fired at 5 o'clock. And so then he reaches out to Chicago to get a regional director that comes in and basically starts and, and releases uh, uh, issues and memos rescinding decisions of the board and the general counsel involving five of our cases. Uh, he, he cited ten different things. Five of them were National Right to Work Foundation cases. And, you know, one thing you know about uh, being shot at is that you're over the target if you're taking uh, that kind of incoming. And, and we had some several cases there. So from our perspective, uh, workers in America, um, it's it's going to be a difficult time for them over the next couple of years. Uh, there's been a bill introduced by Nancy Pelosi in the House to repeal all the right-to-work laws, to force unionization on more workers across the country by this scheme called card check without even allowing workers to vote, per se, on whether or not they want to be in the union, but just getting them to sign a card. Um, we had the federal government potentially imposing contracts on private businesses um, when they can't agree with the union over terms and conditions of employment. Um, these are things that are very, very uh, concerning to us and should be concerning to, you know, rank-and-file workers and, and just citizens of the country from an economic standpoint. We expect it will be pretty, um, to use uh, Joe Biden's word, pretty dark going forward. Well, Mark, uh, one of the things that I've always wondered when it comes to unions is because of unions, we have, you know, the, the five-day work week, we have... Uh, no child labor, you know, we have child labor laws. Where, where did, where did unions go from doing really good things to just craziness? 
Well, James, I think that going back to the 1930s, and you know, it was it was in 1924 in El Paso, Texas, at the uh, AFL convention, the American Federation of Labor. They hadn't merged with the CIO at that point. Uh, Samuel Gompers, who was uh, known as the father of the American labor movement, in his final address to the AFL convention that year in El Paso, said. The workers of America adhere to voluntary institutions. Anything else will break apart that which together is invincible. And what he meant by that, he knew that delegates from the AFL were interested in going to Washington and trying to get federal, the federal government to give them privileges and power over workers. And Gompers knew that this would really be the kind of this, the, the swan song for a, for a labor movement that he helped build in the country during the Industrial Age when some of those abuses were happening. What I say, James, is there is a place, there was a place for unions back then, there is a place for unions today, and there will be a place in the future, but there's no place for forced unionism. And that's what they're relying on, and that's why you see kind of this craziness inside the union movement. I mean, you see the basically the unaccountability and the, uh, you know, the lack of transparency in the union movement um, because they have these special privileges from government. And that's what threw them off the course. I agree with Gompers. I mean, he, he recognized that if workers wanted to join together voluntarily to amplify their voice in the workplace or in politics and, and uh, redressing their government, that was a positive thing. But when you start adding government power and privilege and coercion into it, that's when things start to break down. And, it, you know, it's no surprise that the union movement back in the 1950s was 33, 35% of the, of the private sector workforce, and today they're down to 6%. Um, we've grown our economy, um, and the unions haven't changed since those days in the 1940s and the 1930s. And, and, um, and so the workers of America, employers are taking better care of workers, and if employers take care of employees, they will not be unionized. That's a, that's a fact. If you, if you lose sight of your employees, then you probably deserve a union, and, and that's where the law should protect the right to associate. But it's gone too far, James. We have got Mark Mix with us today, National Right to Work Foundation. We also have Dan Perkins, IQ Al Rizzoli. And uh, let, let's wrap up here. Let's start with IQ. How do we get your books and see your writings and, and everything else? Well, my books are on Amazon, Lifting the Veil, The True Faces of Muhammad and Islam. Otherwise, just Google my name, Al Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. It was a pleasure listening to you, sir. And uh, Dan Perkins, uh, how do we get your books and uh, give us an update on your nonprofit and everything? Books are available at Amazon.com. It can be ordered through your local bookstore. Um, and uh, the books, the first book series is uh, Brotherhood of the Red Nile. And um, I have a gentleman reading the terrorist perspective, and he wanted to know, why did you write this book? And I said, because the American people need to understand how mean and nasty these people are and why they want to kill us. And you'll find that out when you read the first book. Um, finish the Lincoln book. I'm speaking with a publisher, James. Wow. Uh, who, That's awesome. Uh, is looking at it. I'm hoping you hear something this week. I don't have my fingers crossed or uncrossed. I'm just kind of surprised. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, writing a lot of commentary. There's lots of juicy stuff to write about. And um, uh, I'm thinking about and talking to some people about doing a television show. Wow. But I, but I don't know that I got the time to do a television show, and that's what I keep telling them. And they said, oh, yeah, you do. I said, no, I don't. So I'm, I'm keeping pretty busy. I'm, I'm playing a little golf and spending time with my wife. We got my second COVID shot. No problems with it. 
but my children who got it have really had a, been it's been very painful for them and uh, and uh, other people I've been talking to. So it's amazing and um, uh, I'm as busy as I've ever been in my entire life and enjoying every moment of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mark Mix, uh, before we let you go, how do we get in touch with you on the web and, and everything else? Well, James, I don't have any books, and I don't have a TV show, and uh, I'm just kind of fighting for freedom. And uh, and I know Dan is, too, and I do as well, and you are, too, so thank you. But you can find us on the amazing World Wide Web at uh, www.nrtw.org, nrtw.org. And that website will link you to our committee website and other sites that give you information about what your rights are across the country in the, in the workplace and, and how you can help and, and how you can be involved. And, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.